Coming up today on Locked On Texas Tech, we hear from both Red Raider coordinators, Zach Kitley and Tim DeRuder, on what they're expecting from Houston Cougars at Jones Stadium Saturday afternoon. And that means our old bunny, Dana Holgerson, is back in town. Memories, reflections, and a skullet evolution? We'll discuss next on Locked On Texas Tech. You are Locked On Texas Tech. Your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're going to start this thing off right. Glad to have you saddled up and along for the ride on Locked On Texas Tech. Once again, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is your team every day would like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helping you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college today. Terms and conditions apply. Appreciate them for bringing you this episode with Chris Level. I'm Casey Cowan, and you heard it there just a moment ago, folks. Houston on the opposing sideline coming up Saturday afternoon. It hasn't always been that UH on his shirt, Chris, but we've had a few go-rounds with our old buddy Dana Holgerson before here in Lubbock. He was interesting when he's on campus and still remains interesting away from the 806. Yeah, I mean, I... Uh... I I will admit I mean I, I've I've talked to Dana and you know for all since he's since he's left here enjoyed seeing him when he was at West Virginia and he's he's always been good to me I can see why he bugs people uh, then there was the whole the whole dynamic about him you know maybe getting this job uh, several years ago when when Matt Wells got it but um, I, he will really want to win this game and I know Texas Tech fans will really want to beat Houston so that's what makes it fun but uh, yeah he. I get a kick out of him. He he cracks me up. He is the opposite of boring. Um, yeah. I mean, he he was on uh, he was on the old Twitters the other night. Uh, somebody's like, "Man, I feel sorry for for Red Bull and vodka tonight." And he, I think he wrote back and just leaned into it. It was like confirmed. Yeah, I mean, he spelled it, it with a P and an H, which confirmed <laughs> <yeah>. it twice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I, I just. Uh, he sounds a lot like Mike Leach. If you just close your eyes and listen to him talk, one thousand percent. Yes, I mean, and so <laughs> I just uh, I, I get a kick out of him. I think he's good for college football. Um, it, it's it's yeah. fun to beat him too. I mean, I think, uh, and I mean that in a nice way. But yeah, it just. Uh, but yeah, this will be this will be fun. And he's been here, Casey. You know, this is his. This will be his sixth game to coach on the visiting sideline as a head coach. I mean, he had several for West Virginia. He's been here with Houston before too, I believe. And so, yeah, this will be this will be you know old hat. And he was obviously up in the box for I think what eight seasons. Yeah. So he's seen a ton of football in this stadium uh, on either sideline or up in the press box, whatever. Yeah, he's a character, man. I love characters in sports. I feel like this day and age, everyone's so damn frightened by the public or the media that they don't let it all hang out, so to speak, like they did once upon a time. There are very few Spike Dykes in bath towels giving post-game interviews in this day and age. Mike Ditka, whoever you want to put into that category. It's just funny that there was more than one guy doing that once upon a time. Uh, but he's a guy that I'm always entertained by. I've never really had much of a beef with him. Uh, and as you mentioned, it's it's fun to beat him. 
partly because of that, but also because oftentimes it's not very easy to beat his teams. He, he's brought some really good teams to Lubbock, some really physical teams to Lubbock. Tech has gotten their share of uh, wins and some success against Holgerson and, and uh, when his obviously at West Virginia and now here at Houston, some challenges there for the Red Raiders as well. But the character is what makes the guy fun. And, and some of that character was on display here this week when he was visiting with members of the media down in the city of Syrup. And he began, I believe, this answer to the question confirming an alleged assault via tortilla. I have. I've, I've, been, I've coached a lot of games in Lubbock. You know, I was up in the box for eight years, uh, but I've been on the sidelines there, I think, five years, five times in Lubbock, five times since since I left there. It's it's an awesome place. Got a lot of memories there. Um, you know, I used to throw the tortillas on my way up to the press box, and now I'm getting hit by them, but that's that's cool. As long as they're not slapping me with them. The whole, the whole slap your face tortilla, that just makes no sense to me whatsoever. I mean, why would somebody do that? <clears throat> but they do kind of they throw them and they roll them up and they whatever. It's better than rocks. <laughs> it, so do you know do you know what he's talking about there on the slap the, with the tortilla? I'm the, sad the, to say I'm familiar with it. Okay, yes. see, I, I mean, because I'm not sure that everybody does. I only knew this because I have young people in my house, mm-hmm. and they made me aware of some of these. It was one of these challenges on the old social media thing. I think you try to get somebody to crack up and you. You just keep. I even saw The Rock and Kevin Hart do it and uh, slapping each other with tortillas, and you just can't laugh. You can't break character. But uh, that's the one um, I saw. There you go. There you go. So it was. Uh, I don't know. What we we TikToking. What challenge is is that? Is that a? I forgot. I'm just it regretting just, everything. I know. that Led me to seeing it. To be honest with you, I'm yeah. going to blame the woman in my life, of course, <laughs> as most probably would. That's right. That's right. So um, I, I I just uh, you know. There's two things. I will really look forward to to maybe talking to Dana at midfield on on Saturday, just catching up real fast. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoy being around him. He's just funny to me and fun guy and all that stuff. Do I want to beat him and beat his head in? Absolutely. Um, but but I'll tell you the, the two things you, you mentioned: his character and all those things, and like the, you mentioned Spike Dykes and whatnot. And, and they, did you see the beginning of their overtime at all? Are you aware of what, what I'm about to ask you between Houston and UTSA? No, I'm not. Okay. So in overtime, in college, right, everybody takes turns and all that stuff. If you win the toss, typically every team does what? If they win the toss, they, they go on what side of the ball first? Uh, you're going to want to play offense. No, you're going to you're going to go on D first. Well, so you so that way you can first. know you can yeah. know what the opposition is going to do, and if you hold them to a field goal and you score, you win all that. Almost yeah. everybody I've ever seen goes defense first. They win the toss the other day. He goes offense. So he gets into this whole thing uh, in his weekly press conference, and he's like, <clears throat> <clears throat> and anybody ever heard of analytics? You know, <sighs> he started, yeah. That's right. <laughs> He's going to the whole deal. But uh, the, the the beauty of it was 54% of games in the last however many years, and then you take a bigger a bigger spectrum, and it was 56% of games are won in the first team. If, if you score first in, in the uh, playoff, or in yeah, overtime, overtime, I should say, yeah. you win the game. And so he's like, that's enough for me. And he goes, if you don't like it, I really don't care. He goes, I, I, if, you don't, if you don't agree with that, I really don't care. The numbers tell me. And I, I was just like, see – I, I like that. I mean, I, I like the whole, 
you know, and maybe he really does care, but I get a sense that I don't really think he does. I don't think he wants anybody else's opinion about how he's calling a game or, or whatever. The other thing I will tell you is, well, don't you if, think Chris, he, he like Mike Leach is one of those guys that would like for them to disagree or kind of question Maybe he's doing a little bit. <laughs> Maybe so he can <laughs> he can learn them up. Yeah, he I think can he learn has them fun up. with it. You know, yeah, that's right. I will also tell you, I'm not gonna be surprised, not even a little bit, because I saw these antics with West Virginia, and Dana was nowhere near the field or anything. Right. But I I I, do, I don't. You may not know where I'm going with this, but there'll Sledgehammer. be Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, nailed it. There'll be some yeah. pregame antics. There'll be some spiciness and pregame uh because Good. that's kind of that's just kind of how they you know how they roll intimidate and try to and all and it's worked here before unfortunately uh when cliff's teams you know they they got taken advantage of i remember i had an offensive lineman uh that is no longer here and he played for three other schools it seemed like after it he he was drawn way off sides by the by the antics and got himself ejected <laughs> from the game uh but but there'll be some antics pregame and that's that's what makes this stuff fun and yeah. this is going to be a conference rival man i, know. I mean that this is these two teams are going to play regularly here pretty quick both coaches highlighting that uh this week in their comments to the media that you might as well treat this as a big 12 game because uh it will be one very soon and, and a big 12 game played out between in-state programs so packs a little more heat you know the evolution of Dana Holgerson is is something to behold as we leave some of that skullet sense as it relates to analytics Red Bull vodka or anything in between I do think there has had to have been some evolution Chris just by virtue of the time that he spent in college football no one can remain the same forever and I was interested to hear this week from Texas Tech defensive coordinator Tim DeRuiter, who has some history facing Dana Holgerson. Coach DeRuiter spoke about uh, what he sees as an evolution for Coach Holgerson and what he sees as far as the Houston offensive attack. Coach Holgerson and his staff have been together for, you know, quite a bit. Uh, they do a terrific job. Uh, uh, you know, last time I, I coached against Coach Holgerson was probably about a dozen years ago. He's changed over the years. He's much more balanced now. And I think it makes it a much more difficult attack than – especially when you've got a quarterback who can also run the ball. Uh, you've got to def defend the entire field uh, in the pass game and the run game. And so you can't just load up like maybe against an air raid offense where you're always dropping eight and, you know, making them or daring them to throw the ball uh, or run the ball. Uh, you know, it's uh, something, though, that this year with their personnel, although they got a lot of veteran guys back, they've got some different guys. You know, they, they've got the transfer running back in – uh, 20, you know, 20, they've got the freshman running back 21. Um, they're good backs to, to complement four. Um, a lot of the, the scheme, there's some similarities in, in what they do. And so, you know, you're going to be who you are. You believe in something as a coach, but every year there's wrinkles. And of course they had some wrinkles last week. I think this is uh, what he is saying there is quite a compliment to who Dana is as a coach, not just an offensive coach, because he, you know, re really all these air raid guys, they've all changed. The only one that really hasn't, and I think he's even changed just a little bit, but the only one that really hasn't has been Mike. Yeah. He's still, for the most part, doing kind of the same things that he was doing years and years ago. But I think to to Sonny Dykes's and Dana Holgerson and all these guys that have that have come under that deal, they've all kind of changed and morphed to who they are. 
but this will be, you know, what Houston does now looks much more like West Virginia than what it, he was doing at maybe Oklahoma State and and is 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 an OC or or co OC here at Texas Tech and and all that. But Coach DeRuiter, he's seen Dana as the DC when he was at Air Force, uh, when Dana was at Houston the first go around, and that he's also seen him when uh, as a defense coordinator at A and M whenever Dana was at Oklahoma State. So they, they've gone against each other and. Dana was kind of trying to explain, you know, I've got to try to figure out what this looks like now. Is this Oregon? Is this A&M? Is this Air Force? All the places right. that Tim has been before. But it's all personnel based. It's all based on what you've got to work with. And But I think, Dana, you're right. I mean, there's a lot of tight end usage here. There's a lot of two back sets uh, that they use. They operate out of 11 personnel, which is one back, one tight end a lot of the time. And and they run the ball a lot. And that's kind of what he was at, at West Virginia because that's what the personnel dictated. And I think, uh, you know, we've seen this league just change in general, Casey, um, on kind of how people mm-hmm. play defense. And you can't just step back and throw it 30 or 40 times a game and expect to win them all. you got to be able to run it because that's what teams are just dropping everybody back. But I think Dana's – he's morphed who he is as a coach, which is a credit to him. Yeah, it's kind of been interesting to watch one catch up to the other defense to offense and then the response from one side of the ball to the other to to then react to that. And, you know, for my money's worth, I've thought there's always kind of been maybe some different branches or, or maybe just specifically two different branches of the air raid whenever it comes to, I guess, the original Hal Curse of the Mummy branch or, or Mike Leach's branch and then a clear cutoff to like an Art Bryles branch. And this was always my preferred branch, Chris, because it was a physical hit you in the mouth with a ground game kind of quote-unquote air raid offense. And to me, that just reverts back to what is successful football, being able to be physical and and dominant at the line of scrimmage. So I don't know if we're going to get anything trending in that direction, and I know that there's a lot of different definitions on what an air raid actually looks like. But do do you see what I'm saying there with uh, a Holgerson or maybe something that resembles a more browse-ish kind of uh, physical ground-based air raid, if that's possible? Yeah, you know, and, and who who the start now he was dinged up a bit last week. He but he was the starting running back as former Red Raider Tejon Henry. I mean, that yeah. that's who started the game last week. I think he got dinged up a, a midway through the game, but I think, you know, you, you hear that he's fine and he's gonna play this week. So would expect him to possibly start again. Yeah, and our, our arts offense was more spread run. Whereas I think a lot of these air raid is spread out to, to really throw it. But, uh, I, you know, Dana, boy, they, they, they're very balanced. Uh, and, and Clayton Toon is is somebody that I think can hurt you. I mean, flipping it, you know, doing a somersault into the end zone, or he can step back and throw it too. And that's what makes it difficult to try Easy. to defend. Yeah. Don't go grammatica on yourself, <laughs> Mr. Hey, Toon. Don't groin. Look up the Gramatica brothers. Yeah, just right. saying. <laughs> yeah, wasn't the quarterback who was the quarterback that like just celebrating he, he hit his head against the One wall of the stadium and Gusward Ferrat. Ferrat. I was gonna say Bubby Brister, but I was wrong. One of one of a million brilliant Washington Redskin minds, right? <laughs> the commanders, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Who? Of years gone by. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Coming up dead ahead, we'll stick with the Cougars. We'll get back to a comment from Tim DeRuiter, but also the other offensive coordinator in Zach Kitley regarding one of the most disruptive and what Coach Kitley calls the best positional groups or portions of that Cougar defense. And we'll also take a look at what exactly is going on with Red Raider defensive eyes. Everyone's talking about it. Is the Texas Tech defensive effort coming up this weekend brought to you by Clear Eyes? Maybe it should be. We'll have more on that coming up 
dead ahead. But first, as you are gearing up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. And that's why LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find those people you want to talk to faster and for free. Right now, create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 800 million people. Then add your job in the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. That ease of use is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So right now, LinkedIn jobs is helping you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Nearly 40 million job seekers are visiting LinkedIn every week. So go post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply at linkedin.com. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. With Chris Level, I'm Casey Cowan, the L-O-double-T family, which is growing by the minute. Thank you to all who have subscribed on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you haven't, come on, join us. It's warm in this embrace. Subscribe now on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcasts. Yeah, we absolutely appreciate the support, man. It's been overwhelming so far. Yeah, good to see that uh, number growing. I truly did just pass out in the yard. I was overwhelmed the last time I, <laughs> I checked the app on my phone. My my sweetheart had to come revive me with a cold beer. I'm thinking about pulling the move again tonight. <laughs> I don't know how long it'll take for her to catch on, but I appreciate the audience for giving me the excuse. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey, let's go back uh, to the Houston Cougars. Step away from the Scullet Master for just a moment, but we'll hear again from Texas Tech defensive coordinator Tim DeRuder. And Chris, I want to talk on the other side of this about Red Raider defensive eyes because it's been a topic of conversation from the Texas Tech coaching staff essentially since the game was over on Saturday night. Here is uh, defensive coordinator Tim DeRuder. I think everything starts with the quarterback tune. Uh, you know, he's a veteran guy. Uh, he's got a live arm. Uh, he's one of those guys that defensive coordinators don't like. He can beat you with his legs as well as his arm. You know, they're going to have some design quarterback run plays. Uh, but where I think he's particularly uh, difficult to d defend is like we had in the first half last week where when the protection does break down, he can get out of the pocket and keep his eyes down the field to make plays or take it, you know, and run with it for a while. So, uh, you got to have a plan for that, and uh, we've got to do a much better job on the back end of playing with our eye discipline and not getting our eyes stuck in the backfield when when the clock goes off in their head. And you know, up front, we got to do a much better job of of leveraging the quarterback in the pocket. Yeah. So, Casey, here's what you've got. I think uh, we, we we talked about some of those chunk plays that the Red Raiders gave up on Saturday, and. I really think there's a, you know, one, 
th- this was not a very good secondary last year at all. That they, they were really good against the run. The stats showed it, but also teams were able to throw on them quite a bit. And you say, well, why run if you can throw it everywhere? I do think though that they've upgraded. They're they're better there. But I think coming into this one, I really do think part of this was they felt like Murray State was really going to try to shorten the game and run it, run it, run it, run it. And then yet you look up, and so there's some of that play action stuff, and the tech DBs get caught just biting on it just a little bit, and then DJ Williams was able to, to chunk a lot of those uh, passes deep and connect on some of them. The, the tricky thing going against a guy like Clayton Toon, because you hear Coach DeRuiter say we you, you hate playing against guys like this, and and probably the same can be said about Donovan Smith on the other side too. Yep. So it's kind of a very equal. But this is where if you're in the secondary – you have to be very disciplined because I've really got I can't I can't go try to do that front seven guys job. I've got to worry about the guy that I'm covering if I'm in man coverage, because if I get caught looking and trying to do two things at once, that's where bad things will happen. So I think that that point is clearly, you know, Kobe Miner met with the the media earlier this week and he mentioned some of those things. It's like, man, we, we I feel, you know, I got to do my job. I can't. And that front seven's got to be able to handle it, and I trust those guys to be able to do it if, if he tucks it and goes. But that's why everybody has running quarterbacks. That's why you, you have that extra threat because you can't account for it. You, you can't guard everything or cover everything, and your your front seven guys have to win and, and be be good. They can't count on extra help from some of that, uh, that secondary, all that, because they've got their own responsibilities. But I, I think – so we'll see what that looks like this week. Uh, if if you get bit on on some of those play action things and, and deep down the field and all that, but because uh, you're right, Joey talked about it. Now Tim's talking about it. So clearly a, a point that that they weren't real happy with after this past weekend. Yeah, and you know it seems like when you're talking about a, a dual threat quarterback being able to to really be a luxury for an offense, that that's kind of a uniquely college football thing, I think, because for the most part the exceptions are few and far between as far as those who can last for an extended period of time in the National Football League. You know, I'm thinking of Michael Vick and and some others, but there are not many others. Most wind up on the shelf, and if you don't kind of transition into somebody that's capable with the arm, then you don't transition into a long-term quarterback. But on the college level, uh, the speed, the athleticism across the board defensively, obviously is not of the same caliber as what you're going to find professionally. But I kind of wonder, Chris, if, you know, do you take this as something that is – or should be easily correctable? Is it something that's more concerning because uh, it's friggin' Murray State and your eyes are wondering? Are your eyes wondering or easily fooled because it is friggin' Murray State? <laughs> I mean, there's so many ways to go, you know, with the actual mistake or, or whatever what the what the problem was uh, as it relates to the teaching this week. But I think I'm a little more disappointed that it was the case because we're talking about vets back there and, and guys that, you know, regardless of the opponent or, or whatever, I think uh, you'd expect to be a little bit more disciplined in that regard. Am I off base? Well, I, I, I use the term early on in seasons a lot, body of work. And I don't know if we have enough body of work yet with this particular group. Now, you have enough body of work last year. I think they're being coached to do – some different things this year than they were last year. There's some different pieces this year than last. So it's hard for me to say, to, to paint it with a broad brush and really paint this year's secondary or defense like last year's. That's not really fair because they're they're asking to do some different things in a bit of a different scheme. But if, if you have similar issues again this week, and, and again, things are going to happen. I mean, you know, other teams are good. Other players are good. Other quarterbacks are good. And this kid, 
you know, Clayton Toon, he's been around a long time. He's won a lot of football games and quarterbacked him to 12 wins last year. So that that's that's hard enough. But but you, you know you're liable to give up something this weekend, and and you just hope it's not plural by a bunch. Uh, but it's correctable. It's just a matter of hammering that point in. But it also, if you if you don't if you don't allow them to run the ball, then you don't have to worry about biting on any kind of fake and and all those things. You see what I'm saying? So sure. it kind of is twofold. If the guys up front are doing their job, they can fake it all they want because they they they've got it under control. I don't have to like you know, worry about being in run support as well. Uh, so, and, and DJ Williams, he didn't get loose for too many yards last week on just scrambling around. And I, and I think Clayton Toon is not near the athlete that DJ Williams is. However, their passing game is going to stress you a bit more than what, uh, than what Murray state did just schematically uh, via the tight end and throwing it to the running backs and doing some different things, but it's correctable, but it's, it's fair enough to kind of have that as a, as a criticism, if you will. Cause I mean, Joey's, uh, ask those guys. I mean, Tim and Joey were, were at the head of the line. I'm going, we got to be better. <laughs> they know it, you know. I've expected them all to come out of the tunnel and like Buddy Holly glasses looking like the brothers from Slapshot or whatever. <laughs> Within pregame warm-up just to drive the point home. Uh, that the vision, uh, the eye discipline, if you will, has got to be, I mean, probably, I was going to say a little bit more tight, but another world worth of tight <laughs> from where you were last week, given the challenge and the step up and the caliber of competition that you'll see from Houston. All right. That is the defensive side of the conversation coming up next. We'll turn to the offensive side with Red Raider offensive coordinator, Zach Kitley, and we'll discuss what he is pointing to as the best positional group or aspect of that Cougar defense coming up next but first you're feeling the chill in the air chris football is here fall is almost upon us crops are getting closer to being harvested and there's nothing better than that time of year in west texas is texas it's the season where goals are met yields are made and touchdowns are going to be scored and our friends at flatlands grain are as primed and ready to go as joey mcguire and the boys when it comes to meeting your needs this fall Centrally, conveniently located in Health Center, Texas, 30 quick minutes north of the LBK. The goal at Flatlands Grain is to build lasting relationships and provide reliable service for the farming communities across the South Plains. And Chris, we're talking about Red Raiders, and you know, just like I do, when you're talking about a large number of Red Raiders, well, you're talking about the ag community that uh, fills up the 806, right? Which is it's crucial in West Texas. It, it makes this place go, the oil and gas industry and the ag community. It, it's, yeah, it's what makes this part of our state and where we live absolutely go. But these these are great Red Raiders, and uh, we appreciate their support. But Flatland Grains, man, take care of those folks and uh, go check them out. Yeah, go see them or give them a holler there in Health Center, whether it's wheat, corn, or milo, one truckload or thousands of bushels. Flatlands Grain wants to meet your grain storage needs. We're talking market experience, crop analysis, keeping your animals fed. They've got all the bases covered. So visit their website at flatlandsgrain.com. That's flatlandsgrain.com or give them a call at 806-839-2522. 806-839-2522. The Red Raiders at Flatlands Grain. Looking forward to making your life easier this fall. They're saying Rackham Tech at Flatlands Grain and at flatlandsgrain.com. Hashtag West Texas. <laughs> Hashtag it's all West Texas. <laughs> Hold up. 
It's Locked On Texas Tech, part of the Locked On Podcast Network with Chris Level. I'm Casey Cowan, the original CNC Electric Factory, and I'm just, I, I am like vaulted up just being in the midst of football season, Chris. I took it, you know, in throughout the weekend. Aren't your hairs just a little bit more on end, even as we're rolling through the week, just knowing it's there at the end for us? Yeah, and you know, man, some of this football that was on TV this past weekend, man, it just it just feels good. It's like a warm blanket on a cold night, man. Just having that having that on the tube, man. That's right. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, there's just no other way around it. There's just nothing better on my TV than football, man. That's right. And uh, we will get to coming up on tomorrow's episode. It'll be a little Friday party because we're talking about finally something that is improving the consumer experience. That consumer is you, the college football fan. For so many years, leadership has been an obstacle to progress whenever it comes to that effort. But finally, it seems like headway towards an expanded college football playoff. If you've spent the better part of a decade and a half bitching about not having one like I have, it leaves you with some questions about what you will bitch about on the other side of it coming to fruition. But I got time to think about that, uh, and we will get to that coming up on tomorrow's episode. But first, I wanted to wrap it up here with you. Back to the Red Raiders and Cougars. We're going to flip it, though. Offensive side of the football, Zach Kitley and company with a big challenge coming up in game number two. And it starts up front, as we were mentioning just a moment ago. Disruptive is the word that I've heard so often this week. I think three, four sacks collected by that Cougar defense last time out against UTSA. What a challenge for the Red Raider offensive line. And that group, Zach Kitley, thinks is the best that the Cougars have to offer defensively, D-line, linebackers, the box. That's the best unit on their defense. You know, you see they got two really good defensive ends that just have a high motor uh, that play really, really hard. Uh, Their two interior defensive linemen are are very similar to what we've seen every day in in Tony and and Jay Boog. So uh, just hard-nosed players that play really hard, play the game the right way. Uh, and so those guys are going to attack us. I know they will. I'm sure we're going to see probably a little bit more blitzing than we saw this last week as well. So, uh, you know, they're, they're ready for the challenge. And, and, again, I thought our offensive line did a really good job with Dennis Wilburn leading the way. I'm um, really proud of that group, and, and it's going to be a big week for them this week. Yeah, you know, and this isn't uh, this isn't what you're going to see. I think when you get into league play, defensive line wise, although Houston is is very what you're dealing with here is is some older guys uh, that some of that Houston speed, and they're, they're going to be motivated. But their two defensive ends have 14 career sacks combined. That's not a, a giant number. One's got eight. One's got 14. And, and Excuse me, one's got six equals 14. Jeez, they told me there'd be no math, and I, I failed miserably. <laughs> I was one, told the same thing. One plus one equals six in that case. Um, but but I mean, I I think they'll they'll be they'll be very active, and this is a different level of athlete that you'll that you'll see this weekend compared to to last. And yeah, yeah, and and, and they'll try to they'll play some games with some twists and stunts and do some different things to try to get uh, your, your your guys up front somewhat confused. And uh, but you know, you you mentioned. Uh, or I hear Zach mentioned Dennis Wilburn, and we, we've talked about him some on, on on this show about just how steady he's been. You know, he was able to meet with the media earlier this week as well. And what what a breath of fresh air that kid is, man. And I think if he continues to play well and just be really steady and solid, man, I got to tell you, I feel really good about just your offensive line in general because he's got so much on him. And he, he's... 
I don't know. He's, uh, you know, previous walk on and all these things, but he's a big kid and he's, uh, you know, junior college, all American, and all that stuff. And I just think he's been one of the bright spots on this team, really the entire off season up, up through the first week of the season. Just because we kind of concerned, he held off some competition from some guys that they brought in via transfer. I think he was called out by his head coach after the game. He's called out by his offensive coordinator in the weekly press conference leading into this one, all for the right reasons. Yeah, in not a good to, way. <laughs> yeah, not to say that he's perfect, Casey, or that he's gonna be an all-conference guy. I mean, that's not what I'm suggesting, but you're just trying to figure out a way to solidify that group up front. And he may have provided a bit of an answer here and we'll see. I mentioned body of work earlier and we don't have that yet on him or that group, but uh, so far so good with, with, with him there because he's responsible for calling out a lot of the, the calls and all the, all the different things that they're going to be doing to, you know, blocking schemes and all that with what Houston will try to, and Doug Belk is the DC at Houston does a great job. I don't know how much longer Dana will be able to hold on to him yeah. He's kind of uh, ready to take that next step as far as uh, being a, maybe a head coach at some point. But he does a really good job with that group. But they couldn't handle you in the second half last year, and I know you're looking to stress them again this year. But that defensive line is pretty good. I, I'm not just scared to death of them. It's not like what Texas will be dealing with with Alabama this weekend or anything. But it's <laughs> definitely a huge step up from last week for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just there's no way to compare it uh, to anything you saw from FCS Murray State a week ago. And, man, Dennis the Menace Wilburn getting mention after mention after mention, it seems like. And like I said a couple of days ago, you know, if you had your – if you if you were only told, hey, three of five of your offensive linemen are kind of going to be solidified and maybe you can get something above average out of them, we'll, we'll see what else you can get. But only three of the five. I kind of feel like I'd say, all right, well, yeah, give me a tackle guard center as opposed to a tackle guard in the other tackle or a tackle guard in the other guard or two guards in a tackle, whatever it might be. I mean, I mentioned a couple of days ago, it seems like if something gets solidified there and it represents one side that could be reliable, and of course the defense will know that, uh, but could be reliable in some situations where you need uh, some tough yards to be gained. And I think that's relatively good early news for Tech fans this season. But you're essentially zero and zero as far as the record. I mean, we're going to find out this weekend if Dennis Wilburn uh, is truly representing something solidified, much less above average at the position. I mean, can can he just be the guy and then can he be the guy and, and do it looking good in a lot of ways on the field? And let's not forget, Chris, I mean, he's replacing uh, probably the most or, or the biggest shoes, I guess, from a season ago. I think Dawson Deaton was just outright your best offensive lineman. I haven't viewed coming into this year you know, any individual is being better, at least to this point, a, a known commodity uh, than Dawson Deaton. So he's in a big spot, but doesn't seem like he's blinking uh, in the face of that limelight, does it? He's he's kind of taken it and refused to be ignored. Yeah, and, and again, he he's leaned into Dennis the Menace. He kind of he smiles when you <laughs> when you mentioned that to him. I thought that was uh, that that was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, I mean, I you know we'll we'll, we'll see uh, what what this looks like, but I think. I think that's where, you know, helping your offensive line, that's where, you know, a lot of uh, 11 and 12 and maybe even 13 personnel will help you too in, in having those tight ends in there and, and helping with some of those responsibilities or stressing that front seven on defense and uh, maybe creating some mismatches too. Uh, so, yeah, that, that'll be an interesting kind of X's and O part of the game is that O-line versus their D-line. If, if it is indeed the strength, as, as Zach says, 
and how maybe one of your weaknesses on the team, because if you win that matchup or even play it to a standstill, you really like your chances in the game this weekend. Yeah. You really like your chances to come away with a win. That's probably something that Houston's coming in going, we got to win this matchup. We got to be better than those guys. We got to cause some problems, but a running quarterback, some good tight ends, and maybe an offensive line with a center on an uptick. Maybe you 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 can either either play that one straight up, or or maybe you can even win that matchup. But it should be fun. But again, I'm not too nervous about their defensive line compared to others. But again, this will be a step up and a motivated level of athlete. And those those kids from Houston uh, that they, they will play hard and and be athletic and be fast and all those things. So it'll be def- definitely a step up for sure. Tight end is one of the most interesting positional groups right now to me because you have uh, the new Dank Hank Teeter uh, listed first on the depth chart. You know, in Tharp and Cup, you've got capable guys and guys with some measurables that you really just can't coach or teach. And I'm not so sure that that may not be one of those groups uh, where you see several guys with opportunities to make some plays or at least make impacts. May not even be plays that show up in the box score as far as statistics are concerned, but make an impact on the game. And you mentioned that group of tight ends. Uh, Chris, and, and also some of the personnel that we might see as it relates to week number two. Uh, let me allow offensive coordinator Zach Kitley uh, to elaborate a little further on just that. We're going to find uh, the best ways, you know, right now to, to, to attack them. Uh, you're going to see multiple tight end sets again. You know, we rotate those guys again based off certain play calls uh, and, you know, also just kind of how the week goes because, you know, all, all three of those guys bring a different dynamic to the game, uh, but they're all versatile and they're all really good football players. So, uh, I mean, Again, you saw us in some 11 personnel, some 12 personnel. Um, so you're going to see those guys in different facets again. And, and you know, we're, I'm kind of in the middle of the game plan right now. So uh, we'll, we'll kind of see how much further we go. But you'll see both all, all three of those guys on the field this weekend. Yeah, you know, and, and in some ways, uh, I, I think you see Mason Tharp down the field the other day, catches his you know touchdown pass. But, but you mentioned Teeter. In some ways, with what they ask Henry Teeter to do, he's one of your most valuable guys on your team. And what I mean by that, because people Why do you say go, that? Well, yeah. exactly, yeah, because there's just so many things that he can do as a blocker, as a as a pass catcher, as a short yardage guy. He's a dirty work guy. He's a yeah. I don't know. Think uh, Draymond Green basketball wise. Just I know. will not do <laughs> that <laughs> to the new Dank Hank Henry Teeter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, because I, I just think because that's not necessarily what Mason and and Baylor's skill set necessarily is is you know because you you may see Henry lined up in the backfield as almost like a fullback, you know, and and doing some different things. I don't know if he's quite the receiver that that Baylor and and Mason could be, but there's just some things that they ask him to do, and there's really only one of those guys. You know, so if he's not ever there, you know, you, you'll have to really change a lot that, that you want to do. And so and, and again, it's a compliment to, to him and who he is and and all those things, because he's just more than I mean, they, they talk about him as the quote unquote brand all the yep. time, just because yep. I think he's embraced his role. He's embraced the hard work and the toughness and whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it with a smile on my face and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So but yeah, that group will be a play big, too. And then that'll. I include that group with that O-line group for sure because if you, if you can win that matchup on Saturday, I, boy, I really like your chances. I just love the fact that you have something to gauge it against. You've got a big challenge early on this season. We'll find out one way or another, and I'm hoping for good things. Uh, who knows what the case is going to be, but 
uh, I'll be glad to, to get into some hotter water and actually begin to learn some things as it relates to what Texas Tech is in the trenches. And you know that that relates to what Texas Tech will be as a football team. Plenty more as we're getting closer to the weekend. It's 3 o'clock Saturday when the Red Raiders and 25th-ranked Cougars get together from Jones Stadium. Coming up tomorrow, as I mentioned, we're going to have a playoff conversation. It's expanded, and we've got plenty of thoughts on the subject. So join us once again for Locked On Texas Tech coming up tomorrow. And after Locked On Texas Tech today, for your second listen, go check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022, an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. Local experts from the Locked On Podcast Network on the ground in NFL cities across America, plus every angle on the action from Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets. All comes together to form the Ultimate NFL Preview. Just search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I know my man Chris Level agrees when I say subscribe to this here show on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcast, We appreciate appreciate you doing so, right, Chris? Absolutely, man. We can't thank you enough for the support, and subscribing certainly helps us and ensures this thing keeps going, and uh, we, we certainly appreciate it. We've uh, you, you just been crushing it, Cowan, with all the audio and all that stuff, and we, we've had a good time. hope people are getting a kick out of this thing, but uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow, man. Keep hope alive. Guns Absolutely. up. Boom, boom, what? boom. We're, we're just getting started, and what's going to happen right. if you win a meaningful game? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Wow. Yeah. Wow, the sky's the limit, and maybe Texas Tech is going to do that coming up this weekend. We got you covered until then on Locked on Texas Tech.